Successful Performer Cast, Episode 55. This is the show that interviews one full-time professional entertainer per week with the goal of inspiring and equipping those who are working to make the leap themselves. This is the Successful Performer Cast. What's up, everybody? Thank you for listening to another episode of Successful Performer Cast, the show that interviews full time professional entertainers to inspire you, our listeners. This episode is brought to you by Josh London's Click, Convert, Profit and his book Flying Solo, The Smart Solopreneur's Guide to Making Money Online. Visit www.clickconvertprofit.com slash performercast to get $10 off and for my listeners only, the free ebook, Four Ways to Find Your Most Profitable Keywords. All right, so I get to give away a book. We have been running a contest for the past couple of weeks for Joe Diamond's book, The Journal of Alchemy, and the prize was both a autographed printed version of his book as well as the ebook version of Journal of Alchemy. And we have a winner. I would like to congratulate Richard Cody Nichols. He uh, entered his video of him performing a business card effect and uh and he is the winner so congratulations to Richard Cody Nichols you can see his video if you go to the successful performer cast facebook page and that's uh facebook.com/successfulperformercast and uh you can also check out Joe Diamond's book if you visit successfulperformercast.com/journalofalchemy so, uh, Richard, thank you for playing. Congratulations to you again, and we will be in touch with you very soon to figure out how to get you your book. All right? Now, let's get to the interview. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show Julia Othmer, an award-winning singer-songwriter from Los Angeles. Julia has been captivating audiences for the past decade with her energetic performances. She's shared the stage at the Lilith Fair Tour with the likes of Sarah McLaughlin, Lou Harris, Hart, and Ingrid Michelson, as well as shared the stage with artists like Regina Spector, Amos Lee, and John Waite. She's won numerous awards for her songwriting, including several honorable mentions at the Billboard World Song Contest, semi-finalist at the International Songwriting Competition, and runner-up at the Singer-Songwriter Awards. You may have heard one of her songs featured on TV on shows like Witches of East End, Switched at Birth, The Lying Game, Army Wives, Party of Five, or Degrassi, The Next Generation. Be sure to check out her critically acclaimed album, Oasis Motel, as well as keep your eyes peeled for her follow-up album, nearing its release very, very soon. Julia Othmer, I am absolutely thrilled to have you as a guest on the Successful Performer Cast. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's, uh, let's get started here with a little bit of inspiration. Do you have a favorite success quote or a specific mantra that you like to live by? You know, I think instead of a statement that I like to live by, I'd prefer living in question. Mm -hmm. To me, a statement sort of ends up being a bit of a, well, it could be inspiring for the moment, ends up being more like a, the end of the road. So I like to keep asking myself questions. How does it get better than this? What else is possible? What am I missing here? What 
what could be really awesome about this that I'm not getting? How does it get better than this? When I stay in question, it keeps the experience of creativity far more open to me. Mm -hmm. And also depending on whether I'm having a successful day or not so successful day, it keeps kind of the energy moving. Yeah. Wow. And so it, it seems that if, if you always are asking these questions about whatever situation or, or whatever you're trying to do, you're keeping the, the, the uh, the lines of creativity open and and the possibilities for things are seemingly endless. Absolutely, absolutely, that's exactly <laughs> it. Actually, curiosity is um, such a compelling trait I find, and when I can stay in that moment of questioning, it makes things seem very light and fun and interesting. Even if I might be presented with a difficult situation or mm -hmm. find myself you know, uninspired or unproductive. And just that question, it just kind of starts shaking things up and allows me all kinds of possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. Has there been any particularly difficult situation you've been in that this has uh, helped you out? Oh, you know, I, I actually just um, wrote about this to my backers on a Kickstarter campaign that I just recently completed where mm -hmm. I was facing the new year with such optimism. I was so excited to get into the studio and start writing and recording and having a Kickstarter campaign that was funded. I was sort of gifted the opportunity to focus on it solely. And I'm sitting down to write, I'm sitting down to record and I was writing and writing and recording and recording. And I would have pages and pages of lyrics and all kinds of song bits. And it just didn't feel inspired at all to me. It felt really constructed and forced. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of those moments where I go to my questions. I'm like, okay, how does this get better? What mm -hmm. can I do to change this? What else is possible? You know, when I really feel like I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel and not creating something that thrills me. <laughs> But again, I went back to the questions and kind of took a step back. I forced myself every week to take at least one day off where I just let my mind play and I don't have any expectations on what kind of work I need to achieve mm -hmm. and kind of get back into that creative, playful space. And, you know, being an artist, it's I think I know all of us are creative. Yeah. I think one of the things that distinguishes sort of making a living as an artist is being able to work through those times when you feel uninspired, when you don't feel songs are showing up or the ones that are showing up aren't that interesting or compelling. Mm -hmm. Sort of just just working through that gap, working through that sort of arid aspect of creativity. Okay. Now, what what did you do with uh, a lot of these songs? Did you did you just make some tweaks to them? Did you toss and and like start over completely on any of them? You know, I sort of have this pile of in-process songs. And sometimes when mm -hmm. I hit a stumbling block, that song might go on this pile of in-process. And I may or may not go back to it. Sometimes I've found myself going back to songs from years ago where they all of a sudden sort of raise their heads and say, hey, would you take another look at me? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I really fight through it and fight through it, through it for a specific song. Like, man, it's really not working. It's still not working. It's still not working. But there's something here. I just need to figure out my way to it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just have a lot of beginnings that you don't spend the time on finishing it because something more interesting or compelling has shown up. 
So again, it's kind of staying in the question. I follow whatever songs sort of are beckoning to me. I probably sound crazy, but I talk to my <laughs> songs like they're little creatures. So it, most of my days um, will start with, okay, who wants to play with me today? Mm-hmm. What songs would like to have my attention? And if a song comes to mind, I'll think, okay, what can I do to make you more expressive or help you be more realized? Mm-hmm. And then just kind of play from there. Okay. Now, you, you'd mentioned also that uh, you, you set aside a day sometimes to to just, you know, be free and, and, and play around creatively. What are some of the ways that you try and you know, spur creativity? Do you have any exercises or anything like that? Or how does that work for you? Um, I I make sure that every day I write, Mm -hmm. I write something. Every day I touch the piano, whether I play for hours or even just a few moments, making sure that I keep the discipline of writing. Um, And then again, it's sort of following the muse. You know, what would be really, really fun to do today and not have an expectation of it? Because you never know how things are going to to work out. Not truly. So to kind of just be in a playful state, you just, it keeps everything open. Yeah, yeah. And maybe you are, I'll be far more inspired by an encounter I have while, you know, buying asparagus at the grocery store <laughs> than I would, you know, listening to hours and hours of my favorite songs. It's uh, illogical. yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's ephemeral. So sometimes it kind of steers itself, you know. I allow myself to be steered, and I, and I think that's been really useful for me. You know, I always have a pen and paper next to my bed in case I wake up in the middle of the night with some great idea that mm-hmm. while I think I'll remember it in the morning, I never do. Yeah. So you know, make sure I write that down. I I carry around with me an annoyingly large bag, not only because I'm always carrying some kind of book, even to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. But I always have my lyric notebook with me. I always have a pen or pencil with me. Um, At the very least, make sure you have bar napkins nearby so you can write down something if if the muse strikes. Yep. And there's nothing more romantic about uh, writing down some lyrics on a bar napkin and having that become a hit or something, you know? (laughs) Yeah. As as long as you don't stuff it in your back pocket and then do laundry without thinking. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's kind of go back in time here. Could you talk about uh, kind of how you transitioned into performing full time? Did you ever have a quote unquote real job? How did that play out for you? Huh. Um, I do think what I do is a real job. I think if you don't treat it like a real job, (laughs) then you're really in trouble. Yeah, I've had a real job. Um, Who hasn't, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, you know, I've I've loved music since as early as I can remember. I studied classical music um, from very, very young. I never imagined I would do music. It seems so strange to me, these people that would actually sing and write songs and play them. They seemed like aliens from another world. I I never, it took me a very, very long time to kind of even approach the idea of me doing it myself. And as much as I've always loved music and I've studied music, I never was thinking about it as a career. I went to college. I studied anything but music. 
I sort of tried not to do music as much as it beckoned me. I had a great privilege of having some really fantastic career adventures. I used to co-run a theater company for at-risk youth in Kansas City, which is my hometown. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. Probably the one job, real job I've ever had where I never doubted what I was doing or questioned how I was spending my time. But ironically, these kids that I was hoping to help inspire, they were the ones that inspired me. And um, I was compelled to try to focus on my own music, as bizarre as that was for me. So I'm very much a late bloomer. So if there's anybody out there who's a late bloomer, like join the bandwagon. Yeah. (laughs) They they say the, uh, the, the, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The next best time is today. There you go. There you go. I did. Yeah. And who hasn't spent some time working as a barista or, Mm -hmm. you know, tending bar. Yep. Or or even working in a cubicle. Sure. Yep. Absolutely. Now, as you were trying to, to uh, make your music a career, did you encounter any resistance from family and friends? You know, I don't know if it's resistance so much. My parents, I think, had some reservations, not because they were unwilling to be supportive of me having a dream. It was more they thought I had a better chance of um, uh, maybe a happier life or a more secure life if I had gone to graduate school and had a business card. Yeah. And I told them, you know, I have a business card now. It just says <laughs> musician on it instead yep. of lawyer or doctor. And I can still go to graduate school. There's no reason that they're mutually exclusive. But, you know, yeah. bottom line is it's so cliche, but it's so true. You you have to do what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge privilege if you get to earn your living from what makes you happy. And if you are making a living from what, you, what makes you happy, you got to figure out how. Yeah. Yep. Wow. That's, uh, that, that's, that's pretty cool. And you know, that, that you're able to do this. And, um, so now I, I'd like to kind of, uh, shift gear a little bit. You, you'd mentioned a little earlier, your Kickstarter campaign and you have had really, really, really good success with, uh, with the, the particular campaign that you, you put out, which, uh, was, to help you record your the album that you're working on right now, correct? Yes. So kind of bring us into, uh, you know, how you went about this. I mean, what, what was your strategy and, and uh, what, what do you think were some of the things that, that played a big part in the success of this? I think the first thing was not to succumb to fear. Mm-hmm. It's a, it was a really scary thing for me to do a Kickstarter campaign like this. I felt incredibly vulnerable. Um, but first and foremost, I have had so much incredible support from the people who have been buying my albums and coming out to shows. And I feel like I have the best fans in the world. And I reached out to a lot of fans and friends and I asked them, you know, is there something that I could do for you that would enrich your experience of the music that I make or my experience as an artist? Is there a way that I could help sort of strengthen and deepen our relationship? And I got a lot of amazing feedback, a lot of people who are really curious about my artistic process, um, kind of curious about how I selected songs. And I thought, you know, not only do I 
would I really enjoy financial support in making this album? Is mm-hmm. there a way that I could do this to, you know, really improve my relationship with the people who have been by my side for years and years and years, many of them. Yeah. And Kickstarter, yes, you can raise funds, but it's also this wonderful way to communicate and reach out to your fans and to help sort of spread the word about what you're doing can be a really beautiful um, PR mechanism. It definitely taught me a lot about social media, which is not for me a very natural form of communication, Mm -hmm. Um, but how powerful and potent that can be. And I just was able to have conversations that I hadn't sort of endeavored to have before, or maybe I'd endeavored to have them, but I hadn't been successful in it. You know, being able to have this casual kind of, hey, guess what I'm doing this moment with the record, with an intimate group of people that have been supporting the project. Yeah, yeah. So how did you how did you figure out the um, like the the different levels of pledges for for backers and stuff, and the different things that you would offer for different levels? I did my own sort of market research. Mm-hmm. It took me five months, six months from when I first thought about doing the Kickstarter campaign to actually launching it. Um, it's it's a very interesting thing to put a price on different aspects of what you can offer as a person and as an artist and trying to create, um, not create, but trying to establish that value is very bizarre for me, very bizarre dynamic. And I reached out to fans and friends and family members. I made a big list of all of the things that I thought might be interesting. I also asked people, not only those that I knew well, but those that I didn't know so well, hey, is there something that I could, you know, give to you that I haven't made available? Mm -hmm. Is there something that you deem valuable that perhaps I'm overlooking or yeah, I just I just kind of created a conversation and was sort of surprised at what some people thought was interesting and a little dismayed that, you know, maybe this cool reward I'd come up with wasn't so much. And then mm-hmm. um, very a lot, a lot of brainstorming with uh, friends and family and fans. Okay. Now, when you were doing that, were you sending out emails and stuff to people on a list, like a list of your fans and stuff like that or – It wasn't quite as random as that. It Mm. was, you know, the more you do something, you start to realize who's a vocal supporter. Mm -hmm. There are, there are people who support what I do without me maybe knowing their names or perhaps we haven't had a lengthy conversation, but you tend to remember those people that are showing up at all of your shows. And I reached out to them and, and very specifically said, Hey, you know, would you give me a few minutes of your time and tell me what you think about this? Is this something you'd be interested in? Would you be even interested in pre-ordering the album. Mm-hmm. Um, would you like things like a signed lyric sheet or a, the scarves that I knit while I'm writing lyrics? Yeah, yeah. And I learned a lot. It was it was definitely um, some things that I had thought up were a complete bomb and people said, no way, I don't want that. And mm. there were other things where it's was like, hey, have you thought about this? And I hadn't. And I'm so grateful for that. And hopefully um, the Kickstarter campaign was a way for people to feel more intimately involved in the process. And even as we're recording, um, those funders are getting updates that are exclusive to Kickstarter and they'll also get songs that will be exclusive to Kickstarter so that they have, we'll have a special relationship because of it. 
Oh, that is cool. So there, there are songs that are not going to be on the album uh, as it's as it's said and done, but songs that are going to be just for the Kickstarter uh, supporters. Yes. Oh, that absolutely. is awesome. That is and, that is really cool. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, also that you can learn a lot from looking at other people's Kickstarter campaigns. Mm -hmm. I've had several friends who've done it and learning from them about what worked and what didn't work. And um, rewards can be a very tricky thing. I had a friend who had a very successful Kickstarter campaign, but ended up spending the majority of the money that she'd raised delivering on all of her Kickstarter rewards. That was Mm. a really valuable lesson to learn. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now I, I'm looking at uh, just some of the just some of the pledge items on your Kickstarter, and I, I I think it's really cool the the different ways that you've interjected your personality into it. Like uh, like for for the the five dollar or more backers, it's it's uh, basically thank you for taking your time contributing with gratitude. I will shout your name for my rooftop or rather my back porch and everyone who joins this campaign will be thanked on my website. <laughs> yes. So yes. H- how much of its success do you think uh, was also um, because of like the, the personality and stuff that you interjected into it? Oh gosh. I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe if I'm not such a goof, I would have raised more. Who knows? That's, that's, um, I will say that I find the more authentic a person can be in their communications, whether it's their business plan or a Kickstarter campaign or your banter from stage, that's going to enable an authentic relationship with those people who are involved in your work and involved yeah. in coming to shows. And, when you build something from an authentic place, that's a strong, strong foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a bit of a goof. I am certainly enthusiastic about what I do, and hopefully, if a person who knows me and reads my Kickstarter pitch knows that that's definitely my voice and that's coming from me. And if you didn't know me before, you read the Kickstarter pitch. Hopefully, you got to know me a bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So. Now, as as we're in it right now, you're still obviously recording the project. Um, yes. Have you have you uh, made good on any of the uh, pledge rewards yet at this point, or how's that going to work? I have the major- the majority of the rewards will be delivered probably en masse once the album is finished in mm-hmm. May. Um, I do have my big master list of all of those promises I've made and. Because some of them are very time intensive, I've certainly started on them. One of the scarves I I knit while I'm coming up with lyrics sometimes and Mm -hmm. also in between takes in the studio because otherwise I get really fidgety. I had no idea that that would actually be a popular reward, but it's very cool that it is. And one scarf has been finished and has been delivered. Sweet. (laughs) Um, You know, and some of them take a bit longer. Um, I did a reward of a personalized songlet mm-hmm. and those are a bit more involved. So I'm working on them and in a conversation with those people who chose that reward to make sure that I'm giving them something that they would like. And uh, one person actually I'm writing a song inspired by a conversation we had and that song is almost finished, fully produced out. Very excited about it. Yeah. That, that was the uh, inspire me. Uh, yes. that, that was one backer. Yes. And I think it's it's amazing that uh that somebody would actually back you. I mean like that Wait, that's, what are you that's saying? No, well no no okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh 
you know that 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 somebody would would uh, actually spend so much money on on somebody that that they that they follow and and that uh, you know in an artist that really inspires them. Do you, do you know what I mean? Uh, if 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 I were to put myself in your shoes and that would happen to me, that would be just like it, it would mean the world to me. You know what I mean? It, it seems huge. <laughs> it, it does mean the world to me. Yeah, it absolutely, one hundred percent means the world to me. I have actually wept, no kidding, tears of joy because I'm, I'm so honored and privileged to have support in what I do. You know, I think I would be doing it anyway, but it's a really tough road if you don't um, have that kind of support. I mean, my my work is very, very much dependent on people coming out to shows, um, coming out to see live original music. I know that people have a million options and that Mm -hmm. they would spend their time and money um, with me and the songs that I'm creating. It's, I I cannot do what I do without the support of music lovers and music fans. I I, I just wouldn't be able to do it. Right, right. I'm 100% dependent on that. Yeah, yeah. And I I realized I was kind of stumbling over my words, but, uh, you know, I I, I hope that you're you're understanding just uh, just the, the awesomeness that, you know, people will reach out and and support the artists that they love, you know, whether it's a musician or a comedian or whatever it is you may be doing, you know. And there are I, people out there that that do that. <laughs> I've it's it's absolutely true and it's been rather extraordinary to know um people who have sort of stepped up kind of in very very unexpected ways. Mm-hmm. And it is a huge huge gift when somebody you know supports me in a large financial way. But that doesn't diminish the fact that some of my favorite pledges were people who gave like $1 Mm -hmm. or $5. And knowing that that was maybe even more difficult for them to give than the person who gave thousands. It's, uh, you know, I don't measure the support by the amount of money that was pledged. I, I can feel the love that came from people that were supporting the campaign. And that really, really is priceless. Truly, truly priceless. Absolutely. Now, now, Julia, what what would you say is one of the biggest things you've learned in this whole Kickstarter uh, endeavor? I think first and foremost is you need to know what you're wanting to do with Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. You absolutely need to know what your goal is. Um, The best parts of Kickstarter I found were not those things that were my goal. Um, Like I said, deepening the conversations with fans. I'm hearing from people that I hadn't heard from before because of the campaign, engaging with them in ways that I hadn't engaged before. That was probably even more valuable to me than the money that's raised, Mm -hmm. which of course is incredibly valuable to me. Um, I should probably write a primer on what I learned from the Kickstarter campaign because it, it is a really, really intense process. It, It, I did feel very, very vulnerable and, it was intimidating at times, but also inspiring. You sort of get addicted to it. You start watching it and sort mm-hmm. of checking it every 15 minutes to see if anything's changed or anyone has a question. Yep. It's it's like tending a very, very um, fast-growing garden in some ways. You kind of want to like see every moment of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's putting yourself out there in a different way than you're used to. And so you're, you're stepping out of your comfort zone. And that's one of the reasons why it it feels so, so 
you know, risky, you know? Yeah. And it's, again, it's valuation. It's yeah. saying, how much does this, how much is this worth to you? Mm-hmm. And, and suggesting what I think it's worth is even more bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's a very, very interesting process, but I think it's a really good thing for all of us as artists and business people to start getting comfortable with, because I think it can be a very, very potent dynamic in the way we run our businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I bet it was really hard trying to figure out dollar amounts to put on specific things that that you would even, you know, just give out to people. You know what I mean? It's I completely agree. And that's one of the things that I spent a lot of time with, not only the types of rewards, but the amount of money that would be suggested for them. And I hope for all of those who suffered my many emails about the campaign, I hope to keep a really open dialogue with anyone who might have um, suggestions on ways that I could improve it or additional rewards um, so that I could keep that process process fluid. And also that people who wanted to be involved, I wanted anyone to feel like they could be involved and participate regardless of how much they felt that they could contribute. Yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing is... um, you know, I I hadn't I hadn't considered this whenever I was, uh, you know, just you know, kind of doing my homework on you a little bit and and thinking about Kickstarter. It didn't even occur to me that it's just another way that you can really connect with your fans and connect with your audience. It is a hundred percent that you know. I had one of my fans. I'm very much indebted to her, mm-hmm. and um, I had done a show, and she. And I was speaking afterwards and she mentioned social media and I said, well, do you know a lot about it? And she said, well, actually, yes, I do. And I said, would you mind sitting down with me? She said, no, I wouldn't. And she so very graciously um, took the time to sit down with me. And she said, I got to tell you, you really suck at all of this. Oh, man. And I said, "Okay, awesome. Tell me why. Tell me how. And she said, well, and she gave me a list and a reason of, of different ways that she actually didn't feel that I had been interacting Mm. in a consistent way for someone like her who was such a fan. And I was mortified to find out about this, but of course it was such an invaluable thing to learn. And so I really, really find that the Kickstarter campaign, again, really launched, it was a launch pad for conversations that I hadn't yet had with a lot of people. And I'm so thrilled that I got to have them. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of my favorite rewards um, was a creative consult where, Hey, Send me what you're working on. Is there any project? Is there any way that I can help you out? And I had so much fun speaking with the people that chose that option. Mm-hmm. It was so exciting to be in a dialogue and where the conversations took us. And I got to hear some really, really great music and really great projects from um, other artists who happened to be fans. It was yeah. awesome. Yep. It's awesome. Wow. <laughs> I, I love that. Now, when you were sitting down with that... Uh with that uh, woman who was talking to you about social media. Yes. After you talked to her, what were some of the things that you'd done to change what you were doing in social media? I'm not sure that I have followed her directions well, mm-hmm. but I certainly was listening. One of the most compelling things that she reminded me of is the response time in the yeah. social media world. You know, I'm used to spending a good portion of my time being rather reclusive. I hole up in the studio. I am very comfortable kind of being quiet and by myself mm-hmm. for days and days at a time. As, as artists are. <laughs> I don't want to make any assumptions for anyone else, but um, I do love engaging with people and I do love being social. And mm-hmm. 
However, like I said, I'm very, very comfortable with this kind of reclusivity. And in this day and age of social media, it's often seen almost um, as a cold shoulder. Mm, And so I'm attempting to be more responsive and quick to respond in this world, realizing that that response time is such a critical factor. I think I would have been better off in the day and age when, you know, people wrote letters and expected that to be the major form of communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And things have just changed so much, even just in the, the past few years, you know, I mean, um, it's it's pretty much real time now, all the social media stuff, you know. It very much is. And and the other thing is there's so many aspects of my world that I wouldn't think anyone would be interested in. And one of the things that she really reminded me of is sometimes the things that I find very mundane or very everyday for me might be the aspects of my life that are most interesting to someone who's interested in my music. Mm-hmm. And that was really eye-opening for me. Yeah, yeah. People want to know the whole person, you know? Yeah, you know, I think people think they want to know the whole person, but I'm really boring most of the time. I, you know, sit around in my pajamas and read books. I'm a big nerd. I like my crossword puzzles. I knit. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know if, if that's the person that people see on stage, but that's not the point. I don't, I don't know if they really want to meet me, but if they like the music, that's good enough for me. That's true. But then how many, how many people in your audience do you think knit? I'm, I'm sure there are some, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I have a feeling that would be definitely by region. The numbers would probably shift. Yeah, and I'm not even a good knitter. Yeah. I'm a really bad <laughs> knitter. Well, hey, I, I I think it's awesome that uh, that what one of the things that you gave out was uh, was one of your your knitted projects, which is really cool. Well, so. I wanted everything that was a reward to be truly a part of the process or a mm-hmm. part of my creative process. So you know what? I knit when I'm coming up with lyric ideas. So why not see if somebody would actually like one of these scarves? I tried to make everything be about the process and this specific process. So everything was being made within and created within this period of time and is linked specifically to this album. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and knitting is part of your creative process anyway. So right now it is. (laughs) And who knows what it'll be in a couple of years. I mean, I might get wild and start embroidering (laughs) or better yet basket weaving, right? Oh maybe, maybe not basket weaving, but who knows? Do you knows? know how? How cool would that be? I have no idea, but now I'm intrigued. <laughs> right? Gonna have to go research this next. Exactly. Before we continue, here is a quick word from our sponsor. Google AdWords, Facebook ads, Twitter, and what about Pinterest and SEO? Sound familiar? In Flying Solo, Josh London shows you how to manage all the essentials for running a small business in today's online world. From search engine optimization strategies to pay-per-click tactics, your website and social media, you'll learn how to keep from pulling your hair out while increasing your profits. As successful PerformerCast listeners, you get to take $10 off of this book and get a free bonus ebook called Four Ways to Find Your Most Profitable Keywords. Visit clickconvertprofit.com slash performercast to take advantage of this great offer. And now let's get back to our interview. So let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit. You, you said that you had uh, moved from Kansas City to L.A. I actually, well, I grew up in Kansas City, went to school in New York, spent a brief amount of time in Boston, okay. back to Kansas City, then outside of San Francisco, then Philadelphia, and then Los Angeles. 
All right. Now, so when you got to Los Angeles, how did you, how did you, you know, try and get the ball rolling on, on getting gigs and, and booking shows and stuff? You know, Los Angeles is a really, really interesting music market. I, I have to say I'm very glad that I started playing out in a city other than Los Angeles simply because the enormity of this community mm-hmm. is can be overwhelming. And I think that sometimes when you're in a larger market, you get the sense that a spotlight is shining, even if there isn't one. Yeah. And I think it's it was really good for me to start off playing live in Philadelphia, which, of course, is a amazing city and a large city in its own right but i i felt it was much easier to take risks and to take chances and i think that's critical to the development of an artist especially at the very beginning when you're not sure what you're doing you don't even really know what you sound like and um coming to la was a bit overwhelming i feel like i had a bit of culture shock coming to los angeles i, mm-hmm. I had this sort of idealized version of a artistic bohemia i imagined you know with all these actors and choreographers and writers and directors it would be this incredibly collaborative sort of love fest mm-hmm. i can't say that that's exactly what i've found right. living here there are of course extraordinary creative people here and extraordinary communities and pockets of just enlightened artists But it's really, you know, first and foremost, just starting to go to venues, seeing what venues I liked, seeing um, where my music might fit. I was very fortunate to to have met and to continue to meet a lot of really fantastic musicians and artists here in Los Angeles, always asking questions, asking people where they recommend playing, who they recommend playing with. It can Mm. be daunting starting over in a new city. Yeah, yeah. So how, how did you how did you make it work? Did you, um, you know, get like a, a job um, like as a barista or anything like that as you were trying to kind of get the ball rolling stuff? Or I would say that I learned how to live on rice and beans, sardines and saltines and mm. ramen very, nice. very, very well. Um, I didn't get sort of a traditional job. I was very fortunate that a lot of my shows in other areas were helping me to be able to be here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And um, I also work as a muse. Oh, and that's okay. helped me get by. It still helps me get by. Yeah. So what, what is, uh, could, could you talk a, a little bit about that? What is, what is that? Happily, I endeavor to be whatever sort of, energy, space, and consciousness that a person might need to finish whatever it is or start whatever it is they'd like to do. Mm-hmm. So kind of a prototypic situation might be an artist saying, I'd really like to finish the script and I've hit a stumbling block. Hmm. Um, I will come in and help do that. Okay, I so think I'm pretty good at it, actually. Kind of like <laughs> a, a vehicle for inspiration? Absolutely. Whatever oh, it is wow. that an artist needs and sometimes what an artist most need needs isn't what they say they need okay you know, maybe sometimes it's as simple as somebody an artist needing someone to answer to yeah someone who, where I can say well we have this deadline on Friday you have to show me this work on Friday and they might not be able to have the discipline to do it for themselves by Friday mm-hmm. but if they know that I'm going to be calling up mm-hmm. or we're going to have a meeting it can change things and sometimes it's also about sharing creative tools, things that can help kind of shake things up when the well runs dry, as we Mm -hmm. were speaking of earlier. Also, um, 
assisting in any way that I can. Sometimes it's really great to have somebody that's safe and supportive be, um, be someone that you can sort of sound off with and brainstorm and dream with and be pushed beyond your own comfort zone. And these are things that I really, really love to do. I appreciate artists and artistry so much. If I can be a part of someone achieving what they'd like to achieve, Mm -hmm. that's one of the hugest thrills I have. Oh, wow. So it can be anything from accountability to get your stuff done by Friday to brainstorming and, and bouncing ideas off of each other. I've done everything. I'm I'm not an illustrator, but I've illustrated a book because the person needed an illustrator. I've <laughs> um, helped with scripts. I've brainstormed characters. I've wow. been a soundboard for songs. Um, sometimes just someone to take a walk with in the park. Mm-hmm. I don't have any judgment about it. Sure, and I just yeah. show up in whatever way and capacity that could be as helpful as possible. Wow. What what has been your most rewarding experience with being a muse? With being a muse is seeing somebody get what they want out of it. Mm-hmm. I don't have any judgment about what it is a person would like to do. Okay. But to see somebody, if I can somehow facilitate the the joy of someone else, that that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is is there a specific project that you've helped somebody out with that that really stands out in your mind? Well, that would be sort of like kissing and telling. Okay, okay. I, I see what you're saying. All right. Yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't want you to answer anything like that then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so, some people like to have that that part of their creative process be more private. So I wouldn't want to be the one to spill the beans. So add to that confidant. Perhaps. Okay, cool, well, cool. I'll keep a secret if the secret needs to be kept. Well, sure, sure. See, I, I was thinking more of, uh, you know, maybe somebody was trying to f- – finish up a song or, or something like that. Nothing necessarily, uh, like super, um, private or anything like that, you know, but, uh, and I I didn't need to put you off kissing and telling. I mean, I'm certainly (laughs) kissing in these sessions. Don't get the wrong idea or anything. No, 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 not at all. (laughs) All right. So let's, um, let's see here. Let's talk about, uh, a, a specific moment that you've had, um, that some might might consider a failure. Could you tell us a, a time where where you've had a learning experience like this and something that you've learned from it? Something that I've, you know, I think that um, I strive to, no matter like whether a show's gone well or it hasn't gone so well, I always ask myself at the end of the night, is there anything I would have liked to have done differently? If so, is there a way that I can incorporate in the next time I have the opportunity to do something like a show, et cetera? Um, I, I think whether or not anything I've done has been successful or not successful, the way I feel about it is dramatically different if I have trusted my instincts or I haven't. When I follow my instincts about something Regardless of the outcome, that's when I feel most successful. Mm-hmm. Being really, really true to my own voice. Um, uh, there was there was a period of time where, you know, without naming names, there was someone involved in my career mm-hmm. who was wanting to be really helpful and supportive. And he said, well, you just need to write a hit song. And I said, okay, well, here are all these songs that I'm writing. And do you like them? Yeah, but they're not quite good enough. Oh, and yeah. I said, okay, let me go back and work on them some more. And I kept doing this again and again. And what I realized I'd stopped doing is asking myself, 
whether I like the songs or not. And while I was constantly asking for a specific critique, you know, how could I make this better? What do you feel is the weakness of this particular song? What do you think the strength is? I found that I was losing my own compass and it became really difficult for me to write in a way that pleased myself as long as I had someone else's needs in mind. Now, it's different if you're you know, commissioned to do a song mm-hmm. and you have a partnership and a collaboration in achieving a musical work. But I, I felt like I lost myself for a bit and I got really damaged from it. It took me like a year and a half after that episode to complete a song Mm -hmm. or complete a song that I felt good about. I I felt like I had lost my own sense of taste for my own music. Yeah. And um, so I, I highly recommend to anyone that's writing music, write something you love, write something you believe in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it it makes absolute sense. And it's sometimes it's really easy to get away from that if if you're trying to, uh, you know, accomplish a specific goal or or you know do something for somebody else. But the bottom line is, why are you doing this anyway? You know, it's it's first and foremost to express yourself and and to do something that you love, you know? And if it's if you're not doing something that you're enjoying doing, there may be something a little bit off. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. But I mean, there's a bunch of people that work and don't enjoy it, and I just made something I loved into something I didn't enjoy. And that's completely mm. 100% on me. I, I chose that. And um, I also did think I would have a certain amount of success if I followed someone else's advice. I just, again... Not that following advice is a bad thing, but when you lose yourself in that process, you lose your own sense of desire, your own sense of joy, your own sense of inspiration. Well, for me, you know, might as well hang my hat up. Yeah, yeah. And so something that you you love ended up being something that you weren't loving at the time. How did you how did you shift out of that then? Asking questions. Mm-hmm. First of all, realizing goes what back I was to your doing. mantra. <laughs> it does. It does. I first of all was realizing what I was doing and realizing that I, I would probably argue that almost all of us would love to have success at what we do, or at least mm-hmm. we strive for it. And what that means is different for many people. I'm in music business, uh, commercial success. Some people will say that's a very, very specific thing. Who wouldn't want to make millions of dollars off of a song? Yeah. Um, and just in trying to do that, I again thought that somebody knew more than me about what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And of course there are so, lots of people that know more about music than I do or songwriting than I do or piano playing or lyric writing. Yeah. But only I can really deliver what I deliver Mm -hmm. in the same way that any other artist can only really deliver what they deliver. Mm -hmm. And if you lose that voice, I, for me, I think I lose, I think I lose what's my greatest strength. Yeah. So you mean there's only one Julia Othmer? (laughs) Isn't there just one Chris Shepard? I sure, I I sure hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't mean to sound so like, gosh, overinflated about it, but it's it's true. There's a lot of stuff yeah. that sounds the same, and I, I don't know if I could do that. I guess I kind of tried, and maybe if I'd been really successful at that, I would have continued. I don't know. I just I just lost something in the process. And Yeah, yeah. Now, what has been your favorite success? Ah, uh, okay, this is going to sound weird. Okay. But it's true, and it's not directly related to music, but it is somewhat. I got to play 
a benefit for the Philadelphia Zoo. Mm -hmm. Philadelphia is where I had my first gigs, where I first started playing out. And after performing at the fundraiser, I got to go back in the back part of the cat kingdom. Okay. Like the big cats? The big cats. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And Matt Matt Soydom, who used to work at the zoo, gave me and my bandmates sort of a private tour of the big cat, sort of backstage big cat. Yeah. Oh, wow. To open up this door and hear a lion roar. Oh, my god. To be just inches away from a panther. (laughs) It was one of the coolest things. And that's one of the things I love about music. Of course, I love being on stage Mm -hmm. in that I get to play with musicians and share the music. I love that. And I love being with audiences and the conversations you get to have from Mm -hmm. playing music. Then there are these perks, like backstage at the big cat exhibit at the Philadelphia Zoo. Wow. I wouldn't have had that opportunity if I hadn't been playing that night at their fundraiser. Yeah. Things like that are just make ecstatic to me. That That's cool. And you never know what it's going to be. I mean, that's, that's awesome. You, you got to go in the back where all the cats are. And, you know, tomorrow it, it could be something completely different, you know? Yeah, it invites adventure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I love that. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, what what would you say has worked best for you in, in growing your, your business as a, a performer? Learning from your mistakes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Knowing, I think, first and foremost is uh, as an artist, what, you know, and whether or not somebody finds me successful, that's up to them to decide. But mm. I feel like I'm most successful when I've created a song that I believe in. Yeah. To be able to say 100%, I love this song. I love the way it's written. I love the way it's produced. I love all the performances on it. I love that. That to me is success. And enabling that process is the thing that I think is first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And then second is I really, really value my audience. Yeah. Again, I know how precious time can be for people and money can be for people and that they might share their time with me is huge. And I don't take that for granted. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, now, so what, what would you say has been your, your biggest professional challenge since you've been a a professional uh, musician? My biggest professional challenge. You know, I think it's interesting how quickly the music industry is changing Mm-hmm. So, you know, the album that I've put out, I put it out quite a long time ago. I couldn't even really do the same steps of putting that, putting out this new album in the way that I put out that old album, that older album. Yeah. Because it's just changed so much. So I would say my business challenge at the moment is first and foremost, defining an articulate architecture to the next steps of my business plan. You know, my first priority is creating an amazing album with James Lundy, who is my conspirator. He's my producer, and we've also been writing a lot of the material together. First and foremost is creating an album that we really believe in, I really believe in, and I'm excited to share. Mm -hmm. The big challenge will be um, finding the most effective architecture and blueprint business plan in order to put that out in the most expansive way possible. Okay. So tell us about your new album that you're working on. 
Ooh, yeah. <laughs> this is what you've been waiting for. This is what I've been waiting for, too. <laughs> mm. um, oh, I'm really, really, I think it's the best work I've ever done. Mm -hmm. It's so great to sit back and listen to a song and say, I believe in that 100%. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And to be pushed and to go beyond what I've done before and experiment with different parts of my voice, with yeah. different instrumentation. Um, I feel very, very fortunate again to be working with James Lundy, who is producing the album, and also very, very fortunate to know a wonderful um, array of musicians here in LA to be mm -hmm. able to, and not just in LA, but to be able to bring in just extraordinary musicians to help us with the project. It's it's really, really exciting. I don't, I don't quite know what to say because I'm not quite sure yet how the album's going to sound when it's finished. I get surprised every day by directions that we're taking and sort of, at least for me, sort of boundaries that I'm pushing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you tip what it's going to be called yet or? I can't name it until it's done. <laughs> there you go. Yep. I, I absolutely know what you're talking about. I mean, just cause uh, you, you've been working on something or, you know, it, it could even be like, um, you know, like when, when uh, me and my wife had our first kid, we we had names and stuff and ideas of what we were going to call her, but we couldn't name her until we'd actually met her. You know what I mean? See, I get that. Mm -hmm. That's a, I was actually going to use that example, but it seemed like maybe I was being a bit absurd since I don't have a child. I wouldn't know about it. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, this is as close yeah. as I'm, you know, I've been to that kind of process. But, yeah, I got to meet the album in its entirety before I can name it. Yep. Oh, that That's that's so poignant, you know, and it, it makes so much sense. So I, I think at this moment we're kind of sharing – like the same brain or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a good thing? <laughs> I don't know. I'll let you know. <laughs> I think it's a good thing. But also, you know, it's, uh, it's been really important for me to create this album from this moment mm -hmm. instead of having an overarching plans. And it, it, it stays in this really, really kind of flexible place Yeah, where, you know, just today, I was looking at the next songs that were working and a song that I was sure that I was absolutely sure was going to be on this album. Mm -hmm. You know what? The way this is shaping up, I don't think it fits. Yeah. It's going to have to be on another EP because huh. yeah. this just album is sort of taking on a life of its own and I'm sort of feeding that beast. Mm -hmm. And it's just a really, really fun, amazing process to be a part of. That's that's so cool. So uh, I'm I'm actually going to be putting at the end of this show, kind of uh, as the outro, uh, Julia has given me kind of a teaser for the album, so you'll be able to hear a little bit of what it's going to sound like, and uh, and once it once it is released, I'll have a link to that on the show notes. So we're we're actually here at the end of the show now, and this is where I'm going to have you recommend a few things. And the first thing I'd like you to recommend is a resource that you always use to our listeners. And this could be anything from an iPhone app to, you know, like uh, a, a, a the set list for your show, you know? You know, I think always have pen and paper nearby. Mm -hmm. I have found a huge resource in something called Artist Way. It's mm. a really, really great book, really easy to read. And it's a wonderful place um, if you're ever stuck or feeling a creative block. There's so many cool tools and ideas in this book. It's a book by Julia Cameron. And one of the biggest 
tools that I got from her work is something called morning pages where you wake up in the morning and first thing before you do anything else, you just write three pages. Stream of consciousness, no judgment. If you can't think of what you want to say or what you want to write, just say, I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. It's been such an amazing tool. Not only will I use that for sort of my morning process, but it's also been a great way for me to explore a song, especially if I'm having a hard time with it. Mm -hmm. I'll have whole conversations on the page like that, ask questions of the page, and just without judgment, respond. It's a really, 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 really good exercise to do for anyone. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. So uh, I'd also like you to recommend a couple of books. You've uh, just recommended The Artist's Way yeah. uh, for creativity. And uh, I'd like you to also recommend a business or a self-development book. Can Artist's Way count as that? Uh, I guess it could, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it um, is a catch-all. I feel like um, that's probably, as far as self-development, also there's a book called On Creativity mm-hmm. by Twyla Tharp which is really, really fantastic. As far as a, a sort of a business-specific book, I wonder if this, you know, sort of our world of music industries it might be changing too quickly for the book form to even capture it yeah. in its in it, in its ever-shifting inconstancy. Um, and if anyone does have a great book to recommend, you know, send me a list. I could use that for sure. Absolutely. But most of the books I read tend to be on all crazy subjects. If you looked at my bedside table, I have um, a whole stack of Icelandic sagas. I have an amazing book called Destiny Disrupted, which is history of the Middle World as we know it, the Middle East, written oh. by um, an Afghani American. Oh, it's wow. fantastic. I'm reading an incredible book on Kublai Khan that's blowing my mind. Um, I also have a book on all the kings and queens of England. <laughs> so I'm sort of all over the place. Quite diverse. You you are certainly a, a lover of books. I am. I'm a book fiend. I am a book fiend. One of my greatest indulgences is going to the used bookstore and mm-hmm. just getting freaky. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because uh, me and my wife are, are huge readers as well, and we've got bookshelves like all over our house. I mean, if... If there's anything we have furniture-wise the most of, it's bookshelves. And yes! We don't even have enough room for all of our books. <laughs> okay, we are sharing a brain, Chris. There you You're go. sharing a brain. <laughs> I expect you and your wife to invite me over for dinner. Oh, yeah. And I expect a recommended reading list in my email. I, I, will, send you, I will send you a list of books. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. It really, it really, I have an addiction problem with books. And sometimes I just want to buy them. I just like having them as objects. I smell them. I like to look at them. I like to stack them up. Mm -hmm. It's, it's absurd. Yeah. Just a a quick note to our listeners. Links to these resources will be, uh, will be provided in the show notes and you'll be able to find that at successfulperformercast.com slash Julia Othmer. And that's J-U-L-I-A-O-T-H-M-E-R. Now, Julia, I'd like you to do one more thing for us, and that would be to give a piece of parting advice to our listeners and uh, tell us where we can find you online and, you know, plug your your products and and, uh, anything else. Piece of advice, follow your joy. Do what makes you happy, whatever that is. Be curious, have fun, be playful, ask questions. Um, That would be my best advice. My life's happiest when I do that, at least. Mm -hmm. 
And you can find me on my website, which is www.juliaothmer.com. I am on Facebook, though some have called me a bit remiss in getting back to you. I will get back to you if you get in touch. And, um, you know, I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Julia, you've shared all kinds of wonderful information that our listeners can use to help grow their performance businesses. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your experience. Great. Thank you so much, Chris. All right. This is Chris Shepard, your host, just wrapping things up here. Uh, the uh, Successful Performer Cast is not just a podcast. There are also some uh, some cool freebies and, and different things that uh, you can get online. For example, the free show booking and debrief sheet. You can get that at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash booking sheet. And also we have our Facebook group, which you can find at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash FB group. It's a closed group, so uh, you need to request entry to get into it. Uh, but I will absolutely let you in. So go ahead and do that. And also, if you're finding value in these podcasts, uh, it would really mean a lot to me if you go into the iTunes store and uh, give me a a uh, fair rating and review based on, on uh, you know, what, what you think you're getting out of the show. So, and also, you know what, drop me a line, KS at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com and uh, also on the Facebooks and the Twitters and all that good stuff. So, all right, keep in touch. Talk to you soon. Now here's a little teaser of Julia Othmer's new upcoming album. Enjoy. Shadow and the sea, take them both from me and be holding. Damage in the dark, it's just a little part of me. Scars are hidden though, they begin to show as you know me. It's easy as they come, words become undone to you. Hearts are fire. My heart's are fire. Give me a light, give me a light, give me a light, give me a light. Walk away. Burning down